Hey, I want to welcome you to the Marty McLean Podcast. Thank you for being with me today. Uh, this is episode 10. Today's topic, I want to go to church. I really, really want to go to church. Matter of fact, I, I like going to church. And that's why it's been so difficult during this time of pandemic. I don't know about you, but during the time where we were not able to meet for all those weeks, it was tough. It's not just because I'm a pastor. You gotta, uh, have to understand that I go to church even when I'm on vacation. I like going to church. And so when the pandemic hit and we were no longer able to go to church, it was tough. It was, it was very tough. And we had the online services, and that was nice. That was good and everything. But once we started coming back and people were in the church while, while we were preaching and teaching, while we were singing, it was different. In-person worship is so much different than worshiping through Zoom or worshiping off of Facebook Live or YouTube, whatever. It is so different. And so I, I'm one of the guys that I'm glad that uh, we're able to be back together. Now, I'm teaching pastor at West Hills Church. And here's what's happened with us. Uh, since we started back having in-person worship, uh, we, we probably run, I would think, about 50 to 60% of our normal attendance. So we have some that have not come back. And, you know, quite frankly, some probably don't need to come back yet. They are in that demographic that is more subject to the ill effects of the coronavirus. And we totally understand that. That that is very understandable, very reasonable. And so there's some during during this time, they, they may not be able to come back to church. And I know that most of the folks I know, they really want to come back to church. But obviously that is not the case with the, everyone. I did see recently that there was a, a research uh, done by Barna Research Group, and they were looking at the effects that COVID-19 has had upon church attendance. And one of the things that they discovered is that 32% of practicing Christians stopped attending church either in person or online. So about a third of the people, since the pandemic had started, when they did this survey, about a third of the people did not attend church either online or in person. Now, that is not good. That's not good for your soul. And churches need to be together. Churches need to meet. We, we need the body. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we're part of the body of Christ. And when you look at spiritual giftedness, the spiritual gifts are given to us so that we can function in the context of a body. Now, I know there's already somebody out there saying, Marty, the church is not a building. It's the people. I know that. And when I say go to church, I mean gather together with believers. I understand the building is a building. That's, uh, you know, we, we meet in a, basically a warehouse. So I understand that. And I understand body of Christ, the church is, are the called out ones, uh, that we are the church and it's not a building completely get at. But what I'm talking about, I'm talking about corporate worship. I'm talking about being physically together to worship the Lord together, to be under the ministry of the word of God together. It is a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I, I, I missed it and I'm glad that we are back doing it. But let me just say this. I'm very blessed to be in the great state of Georgia, and Georgia is a great state, and we have a, I think we have a really good governor. I think he has handled things very well during the pandemic. He's made some, some tough decisions, and he was on the forefront of some of the reopening. And, you know, everybody's subject uh, to scrutiny during this time. If you're in a public position, if you're a public official, 
uh, an elected official, you have to make choices. And the way the president has done is he's allowed these governors to make a lot of decisions. And I think Governor Kemp has been one of the governors to make some good decisions. But let me just say this. Not all the governors have made good decisions, in my, in my opinion. Take, for instance, Governor Sisolak in Nevada. Now, Nevada was uh, taken to court by a church, Calvary Chapel of Dayton Valley, Nevada. Uh, the reason being is that churches were told in Nevada that you could not have any more than 50 people in church. Regardless of the size of your building, you could only have 50 people. There was a 50-person cap on worship services. But casinos and restaurants and other businesses were able to operate at 50% of their capacity with, social, with the proper social distancing. So you could have hundreds and hundreds of people, even thousands of people at casinos because that would be 50% of their capacity. But you could have a church that say they had the capacity for 2,000 people, but they could only have 50 people in their worship service. There was a 50-person cap and that, was, that seemed unfair, and, and quite frankly, I, it, it is unfair. But in a five-to-four decision, the Supreme Court refused to grant the request from the Christian church uh, that's east of Reno to be subjected to the same COVID-19 restrictions in Nevada that all the casinos, restaurants, and other businesses operate in. So they just wanted, all they wanted to do is just be treated like the casinos and the restaurants and other businesses, and they appealed, and the Supreme Court said, no, uh, you can be limited to 50. Now, that was a five to four decision. It's a very poor dis decision. Matter of fact, uh, Al, uh, Al Moeller, the president of Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, he said basically it was judicial malpractice. So uh, here's what uh, Justice Samuel Alito said in the dissent against the majority of the Supreme Court. He said, quote, that Nevada would discriminate in favor of the powerful gaming industry and its employees may not come as a surprise, but this court's willingness to allow such discrimination is disappointing. Now, he continues, we have a duty to defend the Constitution and even, and even a public health emergency does not absolve us of that responsibility. The Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. It says nothing about freedom to play craps or blackjack, to feed tokens into a slot machine, or to engage in any game of chance. Neil Gorsuch, here's what he said, another justice of the Supreme Court in, in his dissent. He says, but there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. So you see there was a lot, you know, the four justices that dissented uh, from the majority of the Supreme Court they said, this is wrong. This, this, should, not, this should not stand. Uh, how can we allow Caesar Palace to have 50%, but we're going to you know, limit the church to only 50 people? Uh, here's what their lawyer said. Quote, the governor allows hundreds to thousands to assemble in pursuit of financial fortunes, but only 50 together in pursuit of spiritual ones. So in Nevada, according to... The edict of the governor, you can only have 50 people in worship. But if you're a casino, uh, you can have 50% of your capacity. Now, of course, there's a lot of revenue that comes in for the state, and the state does have a vested interest in all that money coming into Nevada. Uh, but for them to do that to the church, it, it does not seem right. And I, I, don't, I don't feel like it's right. I feel like it, is a, it, it was a poor decision. 
But, you know, I, we really shouldn't be surprised because back in May, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a claim by a church in Chula Vista, California, uh, that the restrictions on religious gatherings were unconstitutional. So basically they said that, you know, the state during times of pandemic can limit churches. And so the Supreme Court took that route back in May, and so now here they were with victory uh, with uh, the church in Nevada, and they were telling them, yes, you can be limited to 50. But wait, it doesn't, it doesn't end there. We have California. Of course we have California. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in California. But let me say, I've got some friends out in California, some wonderful folks out in California. Uh, but some things happen out there in California. It's a lot different than things happen in Georgia. I mean, a, a whole lot different. And the, the mindset is, is just, sometimes it's just not completely the same with some of the leadership. In California, when the pandemic started to have a flare-up again back in July, Governor Gavin Newsom decided that uh, he was going to put an end to indoor worship services, and this would also, some say, would include in-home Bible studies. And, of course, there was the big thing about no chanting or singing in church. And so many felt like this was an incredible infringement upon their uh, the right of their free exercise of religion. And there was one particular church, Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, and they actually filed suit in federal court. In part of their suit, they say, quote, the governor cannot claim a compelling, legitimate, or even rational interest in orders when he has permitted and encouraged mass gatherings of thousands of protesters to engage in the very activity he claims oppose a massive danger to California if it takes place in plaintiff's church. So their problem was, okay, uh, Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, you are telling us we cannot meet. We cannot meet for inside worship services. You're saying people can't sing, they can't chant, uh, but yet you have applauded the protest. And, of course, these people don't recognize social distancing at the protest, and they chant things together. Um, they are in close proximity. They don't social distance, and yet you are applauding that First Amendment freedom, but yet you're not allowing us to exercise our First uh, Amendment freedom, of freedom of religion. And there's another church that is Victory Outreach Church in San Jose, California. Uh, here's how they responded to the edict that they were not supposed to sing in church. Their pastor, uh, Joe Woolwine, here's what he said, quote, to say you can't sing, that's time out. For us, it's not singing, it's worship. And so what they did from this article, it says on a, on a Sunday in an act of both protest and togetherness, several hundred members of Victory Outreach and other Christian congregations gathered at San Jose City Hall Plaza and with the house jazz band playing on the steps, they sang out. Wearing masks and spreading out six feet apart, a lively group swayed, clapped, and sang. In the name of Jesus, enemy defeated, we will shout it out. Now, that is from a, a, a newspaper article. So you see the Victory Outreach Church and you see the Harvest Rock Church. They, you know, they're just kind of not taking it uh, sitting down. Now, one filed federal suit. The other one showed up and, and they sang out outdoors. There is another, another group that's taken another route. It's called Saturate OC, which would be Orange County. And this particular group, uh, they are meeting outside by the, in the, at the beach, 
in Orange County, and they're engaging in worship. Uh, they're seeing people accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they are baptizing them in the Pacific Ocean. Now, hundreds and hundreds of people are, are gathering. Here's the, here's the name of the article. California Beach Revival brings beautiful harvest of souls together for worship and baptism. And their whole thing was that, quote, the church has left the building. You can't stop the kingdom of God. So I think that's, that is a great response to uh, the overreach, which I, I view some of this as overreach. Uh, by the governor. Now, let me say this. Coronavirus is real. There are people that, that, that die from it. There are people that get sick. There are people that have uh, are in the demographics uh, that need to be very careful. I, I completely understand that. But I also know that there are those who will use any opportunity uh, for power. And there's been a lot of overreach, particularly with some of the, I feel like from, with some of the governors, uh, as they have I don't want to say they're tyrannical, uh, but you see under certain circumstances that people may have a certain tilt in that direction. And it's it's not the most comforting thing to know about, but um, I did just some some governors have, have kind of, uh, it's almost like some of the power has gone to their head. And the reason why I say this is some of the speech has become political. Uh, certain political speech is protected and certain political speech is not protected. Like I say, uh, in all these places, you can protest and you can be with Black Lives Matter, the organization, or Antifa. And you can spray paint on walls, on monuments, tear them down. But if you're a pro-lifer and you're in Washington, D.C., and you ride on the sidewalk with chalk about pre-born Black Lives Matter, then you are arrested. Now, when people see stuff like that, they know intrinsically this is not consistent. Uh, there, there, is, uh, there is an agenda here. Some speech is protected, some speech is not. Some expression is protected, some expression is not. Some assembling is protected and some is not. It's not across the board, and I think that's where a lot of people have a problem. As a matter of fact, going back to uh, the state of California, what Gavin Newsom did, Governor Newsom, uh, with, the, with the church, the Rock Harvest Church, here's what their representative said. Uh, his name is Matt Staver. He's with Liberty Council. Here's what he said about the whole lawsuit that they have there. He said, quote, Newsom encourages tens of thousands of people to gather for mass protests. He bans all in-person worship and home Bible studies and fellowship. Such repression is well known in despotic governments, and it is shocking that even home fellowship is banned in America. He continues, this outrage will not stand. And so, like I say, there are people that know, hey, this stuff is not being done consistently. If it was done consistently, then there might be a little bit more understanding. Um, but when you see that certain funerals uh, can have a big attendance and not social distance, but if other people... Their funerals are not allowed such deference. And you see that there's kind of a lack of consistency uh, with the enforcement. Then it, it does come across as that if you are of a certain political persuasion or if your expression of speech 
uh, is of a certain ideology, then it can be okay. They can make, they can make exceptions. Once again, quoting Matt Staver, quote, Governor Gavin Newsom cannot disregard the First Amendment and ban all in-person worship in private homes and churches, nor can the state micromanage the form of worship by banning singing or chanting. The governor is not high priest over all religions. There's not two First Amendments, one for protest and one for houses of worship. Governor Newsom encourages thousands of protesters to gather in the streets but bans in-person worship and home Bible studies and fellowships. This discriminatory treatment is unconstitutional. Now, not just to pick on Governor Newsom, uh, but also here's what uh, Supreme Court Justice Alito said uh, when it came to the Governor Sisolak of Nevada. He says, quote, the governor has favored certain speakers over others. When large numbers of protesters openly violated provisions of the directive, such as the rule against groups of 50 or more, the governor not only declined to enforce the directive, but publicly supported and participated in the protest. Here's what journalist Star Parker wrote. She said, quote, Decent Americans who are feeling perplexed today shouldn't be ashamed of it. There is good reason to be perplexed. On the one hand, in the name of health and safety, we are being asked by government to compromise personal freedoms that we have always taken for granted. Going to work, going to church, sending our children off to school, meeting our friends in our favorite restaurant. We walk around wearing annoying masks and try to respect social distancing limits. But decent Americans are perplexed because we would expect that allowing more government into our personal space would happen uniformly. That in allowing more government, we are sacrificing together for some greater good, for some greater necessity. But instead, we look around and we see chaos. We see no uniformity. Protests, often violent, are sweeping our cities. The same public officials who tell us to keep our kids at home, who tell us not to pray in church, as we have always prayed, who limit our places of work and livelihood, look the other way, often with approval, as hooligans tear apart our cities. Congressman Jim Jordan, when he was uh, questioning Anthony Fauci uh, during one of the House committee hearings, he said, quote, is there a world where the Constitution says you can favor one First Amendment liberty protesting over another practicing your faith? So what I'm trying to say is, is there's a lack of consistency. We see that the same government officials sometimes who say you can't go to church or you have to limit your number of people in church or you need to wear your face, uh, your, your face mask. Uh, when it comes to protests or it comes to some type of political rally in which they favor, they they don't abide by the same rules. They're not as stringent. Uh, they're a lot more lenient. And so we see that there's not a, a consistent application. And Al, Al Mohler, in his podcast, he was talking about a, a lot of this. And he said in order for uh, a directive or a policy or a law to not infringe upon the first uh, the, the amendment, the freedom of religion, he said it has to be reasonable, neutral, and generally applicable. And, of course, he says that's the way they look at it in the law. And, and he gives the example like, like a church is going to do their elevators according to code. And that's not discriminatory or anything like that. They just have to do it like the other buildings do or when it comes to parking. So, you know, that's completely understandable. And we understand that there are certain codes and everything that apply to churches uh, that apply across the boards that churches are not singled out. But the problem that people have is that when you 
when you allow certain businesses that you call essential and you call others such as churches non-essential, I think that's been addressed on a national level, but you put certain restrictions on churches that you do not put on liquor stores or casinos or protests, then people do say, wait a second, there's a lack of consistency here. And so you can understand why people would like, you know, they may file a lawsuit or they may say, uh, we're not going to comply. Now, there's a portion in Scripture, of course, from Acts chapter 4, uh, where the authorities tell the disciples that they have to quit speaking the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. And basically they say, uh, well, you tell us whether it's right, uh, whether to listen to you or listen to God. And so that was an act of civil obedience there in Jerusalem and in the New Testament. And some people say, you know, it comes to a point where there, there's civil disobedience, where you have to obey God more than man. And some people debate over that, whether or not we're at that point. Now, John MacArthur recently, his church, Grace Community Church out in Sun Valley, California, uh, they issued a statement last month, just a couple of weeks ago or so, uh, that said basically that they were not going to comply with Governor Gavin Newsom's edicts on church attendance. And here's part of, here's part of what they said from the statement that they released. Uh, of course, MacArthur and most evangelicals, well, I think all evangelicals would believe that uh, there are three institutions ordained by God. We have uh, the family, the church, and government. And here's what he says pertaining to that quote from this statement released by the pastors and elders at Grace Community. When any one of the three institutions exceeds the bounds of its jurisdictions, it is the duty of the other institutions to curtail that overreach. Therefore, when any government official issues orders regulating worship, such as bans on singing, caps on attendance, or prohibitions against gatherings and services, he steps outside the legitimate bounds of his God-given authority. As a civic official and arrogates to himself authority that God expressly grants only to the Lord Jesus Christ as sovereign over his kingdom, which is the church. His rule is mediated to local churches through those pastors and elders who teach the word. So, here's what it also continues. Christ is Lord of all. He is the one true head of the church. He is also king of kings, sovereign over every earthly authority. Grace Community Church has always stood immovably on those biblical principles. As his people, we are subject, subject to his will and commands as revealed in Scripture. Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to a government-imposed moratorium on our weekly congregational worship or other regular corporate gatherings. Compliance would be disobedience to our Lord's clear command. And, of course, they met this past Sunday, and they did have, I think, a couple of representatives from the California Department of Health. And there are some that say, you know, hey, MacArthur, may, he may get arrested. He may be put in jail. Although they're emptying the prisons of all the people who have done heinous crimes, they're kind of letting a lot of those guys out on the street. But we may have to arrest people who do not comply with worship attendance. It's you know, that's another one of those inconsistencies that people see. But anyway, let, let me get back to what MacArthur said. They're not going to comply. He believes that it's an, it's an overreach and that from his perspective, he cannot be faithful to his call to be the pastor of that church and comply with the government edicts about worship. And so 
he set it up that you know there's going to be there's something's going to happen one way or the other, and people are just kind of sitting back saying, okay, wonder what's going to happen. Now, not everybody's completely on board with him. Uh, just listen to Al Mohler's podcast, you kind of get the idea that uh, Al Mohler would not. Com- I don't want to put words in Al Mohler's mouth, but kind of that uh, it has not reached that point where civil disobedience is the way to go. That's kind of my take on Al Mohler's uh, podcast. Not saying anything bad about Al Mohler or anything. And also, uh, there is another guy uh, that many are familiar with, uh, Mark Dever of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. He basically has a concern about the way MacArthur's statement read, that uh, he says uh, that... if you didn't read it carefully, that you might believe that you're in sin if you didn't follow the state's restrictions during the pandemic. He said, quote, I fear that this was written in such a way that any pastor who was considering whether or not they should go along with the state's prohibition would be guilty of contradicting or our Lord's clear commands. I want Christians to understand that you can believe all of the scriptures in the grace community statement and yet, and yet not come to the conclusion that they've come to. So Dever just wanted to make sure people know that, you know, you're not going to be in sin if you, if you don't do what John MacArthur does. But John MacArthur believes that uh, it's his responsibility as a sh- uh, under shepherd there at Grace Community that uh, he cannot comply with the requirements that are placed upon him by the state of California, uh, in particular, Governor Gavin Newsom. So that's being set up for a big showdown. And I think we can be praying about that. Uh, I know that they would probably appreciate us praying for them. Uh, But, you know, other churches have gone in different directions. J.D. Greer, who is the pastor of Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, uh, he is currently the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Here's what he said that they were going to do. That they were not going to meet again at, at their buildings for corporate worship for the rest of 2020. It'll be 2021 before they meet again. But here's what he said, quote, instead of the summit being 12,000 people meeting in 12 different locations on the weekend, we are now going to be about 15,000 people meeting in about 2,400 locations. So they're going to the house church approach, which is fine. I mean, just however you can get it done, get it done. If that's what you feel like you need to do, the way you need to do it, um, and you're going to be making disciples, teaching people, that's awesome. But the one that kind of spearheaded it all as far as not meeting during 2020, uh, during 2020 uh, was Andy Stanley. And then he made a decision, came out on a video announcement, uh, that they were not going to meet again until 2021. And here's part of his rationale, quote, We are intentionally an outward-facing organization. Spending time and money to create safish Sunday morning gatherings struck us as insider-focused. He continued, By suspending Sunday morning gatherings, we are able to create a strategy that impacts 100% of our attendees and has the potential to impact their friends as well. In-person services during COVID is neither missional nor evangelistic unless, of course, the mission of the church is together in a building on Sunday morning. So you can see he's kind of taking a much different approach than uh, John MacArthur uh, does out in California. So all these people, you know, these pastors are having to deal with things in different ways. You know what? I think that's fine. I think that's fine. You have an individual congregation. You have a certain ministry context. You, You know how 
your church operates. Um, different churches have different strengths. And so however they feel like they need to adapt during this time, do it. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. But I do not think that John MacArthur is, is wrong for what he's doing. If he feels like that's what the Lord wants him to do. I believe that there has to be some people that, that push back. I believe anytime you have stuff like this going on, that there are some people that are called to push back. There are some people that are called to push back. And I think because people push back, it keeps tyrants at bay. I, I, I honestly believe that. Not everybody's called to push back like that. Some are called to be adaptable. Hey, let's, let's do the outreach, uh, Orange County. Uh, or, you know, let's go somewhere public and, and get together and sing. Or I think even Capitol Hill Baptist Church, Mark Davis Church, I think they, they were meeting out in a field. So whatever you have to do, it's, it's fine. I think we need to be very generous with one another. But at the same time, we have to not be like, um, how do people put it, sheeple? Uh, we have to be very careful uh, that we are not too compliant in the wrong way. Now, we do live in a, in a nation where we do have freedoms. We do have uh, the freedom of religion. Uh, we are a, uh, we're a, a republic. Uh, we elect our representatives. We um, have certain rights that are given to us as a, as a free people in a free nation. Now, we're not perfect as, an, as, a, as a nation. Has, people have reminded us continually of that uh, in the recent past. And there's things that need to be corrected and things that can be corrected. And I think we live in a country that give us ways that we can correct things that are wrong. And I'd rather live in the United States of America than any other nation on the face of the earth. Just being honest with you. And it does bother me when, uh, when professional sports, when they start uh, disrespecting the American flag. Uh, I, and while at the same time being beholden to nations like China. I know the whole NBA thing is kind of convoluted. And uh, when they were given opportunities to speak about Hong Kong and you've got the NBA academies over there in China, some stuff going on with that. It, there, there's just a lack of consistency with some of that stuff. And you know that there is a financial interest involved now. Here's what I would say. Just play basketball. Just, pl just play football. Just play baseball. That's what people want. You know, basketball, football, baseball, stuff like that. Sports brings our nation together. And I, I think we just need to keep politics out of sports i think it'd be great for sports it'd be great for politics let's let's just keep politics out of it because once in our nation once you start going down a certain path you're going to alienate half the nation and sports having been meant to bring people together will not bring people together and i think it'd be better for the nba because i'll be honest with you i've wanted to watch the nba man i wanted to see zion play i wanted to see you know i, I just I wanted to watch, but I have not been able to bring myself to watch because it's gotten so political. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't watch, I watch the political stuff. I just want to see people play sports. That's all I want. And so we are living in a, in a time where a lot of things have been turned upside down. Even, you know, finding a, you know, escape watching sports, you can't even do that now. And even going to church is not like it used to be. We're in kind of a complicated time. And to top it all off, we got an election in three months.
So, you know, hey, next, next three months are going to be crazy. That's all I can say. But here's what I do know. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know that He's on the throne. I know that we've been called to be salt and light. We need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we need to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strengthen our neighbor as ourselves. I know that's what God's called us to be. And I know God wants you to be active in a local body of believers. And however you are able to do that, I want to encourage you to do that now. If, if you're not physically able, health-wise, to be in person in church, make sure you're, you're joining online, watching church services online. Make sure that you're able to, to talk to other people however you can do it, FaceTime, a Zoom or whatever. Get that encouragement. Build each other up into faith. Because here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approach. The writer of Hebrews pens these words to first century believers who were in a time of incredible uncertainty. Some of them wanted to go backwards, but he was encouraging them to go forward, and he was reminding them of how necessary it was for them to be in proximity to one another, to to assemble together for the purpose of stirring each other up for love and good works. Now, we need that. We need one another, especially during this time. So I want to encourage you in whatever way you can to be in fellowship with other believers, do it. And if you say, well, Marty, I'm kind of in that demographic that I've got to be careful. Well, then you do it any way you can. If you've got to do it online, do it online. If, if you've got to get a couple of three friends to get on Zoom with them and have a time of Bible study and fellowship, do it. Because it's very important. Because people need one another. You know, they're finding out so much with all this isolation that people have experienced. It's not been good. It's just not good. We've, we've, we are created uh, to be in relationships with other people. And, you know, there's some people that they haven't touched anyone else in a long time. And I know that's got to be tough. But fellowship with your fellow believers. Make sure that you are participating in worship. Like I said, if you can't get there in person, get there on Facebook Live, YouTube, or whatever, however you can do it. But if you can, be there. Be there. And eventually this pandemic will be over, and uh, we'll be able to get back together like we used to. But let's only ever take that for granted again. Never take for granted again the ability to be able to assemble with other believers and worship together, sing praises together, and be under the ministry of the Word together. What an incredible, incredible privilege that is. Now, I want to thank you for being with me today on the Marty McLean Podcast. I hope you have a great week. Remember, as always, if you want to leave a review on um, iTunes, please feel free to do that. That would be great. be wonderful. And also, you can recommend this podcast to a friend if you'd like to. Remember, all I'm doing is I'm taking life, religion, politics, trying to uh, combine them together. We're going to talk about things uh, from a Christian point of view, but we're going to talk about politics, and we're going to talk about life in general. We're going to talk about uh, religion, what it is to know God, and how you can integrate all that together. All right, thank you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Marty McLean Podcast.